For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It's the Sleepers Podcast. Great guest for everybody today. We got Spartan alum, Spartan dog, Brandon Wood. Brandon, thank you so much for being here, man. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you, fellas. Sir, about time we got a Spartan dog on this thing, man. Way, way too much of that Ann Arbor nonsense. It's time to get, it's time to, get to, the, to the dogs. Yeah, you had to, man. I'm going to represent Forrest, man. Yes, sir. Yeah. It does feel good. And there's a lot of good MSU mojo happening right now. We got some staff changes. We got some roster changes. But I think the the vibes are good in East Lansing. There's all the pics of the recruits getting to campus. So we got a lot to talk about. Uh, but first, I think we got to just talk about Brandon Wood himself when we have the man of the hour on the podcast. So I want to talk through your journey through your college career, uh, really your whole hoop career in general. But I was looking up some stuff in prep for this. I knew that you went to Valpo. I knew you transferred to Michigan State from Valpo. I did not even know that you played at Southern Illinois before that. So I'm curious how your whole career came together. Were you highly recruited? Were you under the radar? And then how did you end up sort of bumping around and then ultimately at Michigan State? Yeah, for sure, man. First off, man, it's been an amazing journey, you know, Obviously, I've played in many with many schools, many universities, and now many countries. But, you know, each stop of the way has definitely been special. So uh, coming out of high school, I was pretty much recruited by pretty much all the mid-majors. So I wasn't really highly recruited. I had a great high school career, but was kind of always that under-the-radar player, kind of that underdog, you know. So I always kind of had that chip on my shoulder at a young age. So... Um, coming out of high school, I was, it really came down to Southern Illinois and Butler. And, you know, so I went on my Butler visit first and I was actually planning on committing there, but Southern Illinois had really recruited me the hardest out of everyone, you know? So I, I felt like I owed them the, you know, at least for me to go on my official visit, you know? So my official visit to SIU was a week later after I went to Butler. So after like the, we finished up at Butler, you know, touring the campus with the coaches. At the time, Coach Stevens was the assistant coach. So he was coming to Kokomo to my high school gym, to our practices like every other day. So that was like at the beginning of his journey. So that was cool just to kind of see where he's at now, you know, as you can imagine. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I was ready to commit to Butler and, you know, I'm a loyal guy, you know, so I had built a relationship with SIU, the coaches, so I'm like, man, I got to at least go on this visit and then make my decision. So at the time, Butler had told me that, you know, we also offered the same scholarship to Sean Van Zant. So it's really between y'all two. So a few days later, like a few days before I went to SIU, they called me and said that he committed. So then I kind of just went on the SIU visit and it was great, you know, great teammates there. So ended up committing, you know, but, you know, I, you know, that's I was probably going to be a bulldog, you know, about 90 percent sure. But, yeah, that's kind of how the recruiting went to get into college. 
And then once I went to SIU, I kind of went there. I was injured going there. So I had just had shoulder surgery. So I didn't get to participate in the summer workout. So I missed the whole summer. And then I arrived on campus and, you know, for the fall. And, uh, you know, my shoulders healed up by then, you know, but I obviously was just that's my first experience of college basketball, you know, so being pushed hard as hell every day, you know, just wearing my body down. And I was a young man then, so my body really wasn't prepared for it. Mm. So I had a stress fracture in my leg like six games into the season, but I was steady trying to play through it, you know, leading up to that. But it kind of just reached that point where, you know, I had to sit down. So that's how I kind of that's how I got that medical redshirt year on the back end. So, um, you know, really. So SIU really wasn't it, it, it seemed like the right fit heading into there. But once I got there, it definitely wasn't the right fit for me. And then based on kind of some things we experienced as young players, having to deal with coaches and the different coaching styles. It really just, it, it wasn't a really, it really wasn't a good situation for me. And it was probably like one of my lowest points. So pretty much after sitting out of season, I had to decide whether I wanted to transfer to another, another division one or D2 or go Juco and be able to play immediately. So at the time, if I would have went D1, I would have had to sit out. So I'm like, man, let me just go somewhere where, I can kind of get my confidence back, you know, get the love for the game back. So I decided to go JUCO for a year, uh, had a great year there. We had a team full of D1 transfers. So it was a bunch of guys that were kind of on the same page. So it was a real smooth year. We won like the regional championship, went to the national tournament Hutch. So we got the full JUCO experience, which was great. Um, ended up committing to Valpo before the JUCO season even started. So I was already committed that whole season and pretty much, you know, like I said, kind of just really focused on getting healthy, first of all, getting my confidence back, getting my mind back, you know, because at that point I was at a pretty low spot. So ended up committing to Valpo before the season, had a healthy year, you know, went to Valpo two years, graduated my second year, and then, you know, had the fifth year transfer rule where I could open up my recruitment. So um opened up my recruitment and really just uh waited to hear from schools and you know that process was you know it was being a fourth year you know being a senior having graduated having had two good seasons at Valpo it was like a dream situation so it was kind of a no-brainer you know but uh definitely you know appreciate that rule <laughs> oh yeah that's definitely uh I mean that's I think that sometimes people really overlook like how important like get, as a freshman basketball player getting on campus and having that work and getting that first summer of playing yeah. college basketball. I mean, it's a I played division three college basketball and it's a it's even at that level, it's a whole different beast going from high school basketball to college basketball. And that's what the way you prepare, the way the yeah. coaches handle you everything like that so um you know it can and I was kind of and I kind of developed I was kind of a late developer anyway so at the right. time I was the skinny freshman frail <laughs> that's coming off of surgery and I didn't have that summer so I was kind of set back definitely a setback but you know even when I started playing like I was playing well those first games but obviously physically I wasn't prepared yeah, but I mean, you know, you take the it's it's good to hear stories like that when you take your lumps and you know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of people, you got two decisions. You can either stay at that point and you know, do what you're doing, or you can just, you know what I'm saying, keep pushing, keep your head down, keep working. I think you're a testament of that. 
Mm-hmm. And I, this might be a reach. I don't know. But it sounds to me like you were doing the transfer portal thing before it was even cool. So you started the whole transfer portal business. I mean, yeah. imagine. I, I mean, I know you see all the craziness of college basketball going on with the transfer portal. But you were you know I'm saying you kind of started the movement with transferring <laughs> and, you know, enjoying that recruitment for that extra year, I bet. Yeah, man, I, I kind of knew relatively early at SIU that it wasn't the fit for me, mm-hmm. you know, and it was even outside of the basketball, just the, you know, we've all had different types of coaches, you know, and mm-hmm. being at that point, you know, it's, you know, it's important for coaches to build you up, you know, and we had coaches that were kind of trying to break us down, you know, not only physically, but mentally as well, oh, you yeah. know, so that was, that was very tough, you know, but yeah, man, I, Went to, you know, four schools in five years. Thankfully, still graduated on time. And then, you know, like you said, kind of set, I kind of set that trend of the fifth year transfer. Because mm-hmm. um, at the time, it really wasn't that popular, you know. Mm-hmm. But the year I did it, um, Russell Wilson did it as well. So it's kind of like me and him pretty much set that trend off, you know. And to see where it's at now, you know, you see, like you said, you see where the transfer portal is and how many people are in it. You know, you know, but at the same time, I, I see a lot of people question that, you know, question players going into the portal. But, you know, I, I kind of have to side with the players, you know, like everybody knows their situation. And obviously these days we want more satisfaction and players want to have them bigger roles quicker, you know. But if a player feels like it's best for them to keep it moving, you know, much, you know, much strength and, and love for them to do that, you know, so. Uh, you know, in the business, you got to do what you got to do, you know, even before you get into the real world sometimes. Yeah, coaches always want to shit on players for leaving. And, you know, it's always hindsight's 2020. They shouldn't left, but they don't know anything about the situation. And coaches move all the damn time. And yeah. it's the players that are playing. So, you yeah. know, I'm always power to the players. Let them do what yeah. they want to do. That's their decision. They're men. They're young men at that point. Maybe it's the wrong decision. Maybe it is. Maybe it is the right decision, but it's their decision. That's the that's, that's how you learn. You know, that's how you learn yeah. by making different decisions at different times and, you know, learning if it was a good decision or, you know, but, you know, be, making it, making sure it's an informed decision. That's one thing I always made sure I did, you know, knew what I was getting myself into, you know, knew what could go good, knew what could potentially go bad. But I kind of always lean with the good, you know, and just, you know, stay faithful and, and take those risks. You know, sometimes it's a risk, you know, but those, you know, those risks bring rewards as well, you know, and I feel mm-hmm. like my journey through college is a true testament to that. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I can totally see that. And I think I'm most curious after hearing your journey from your own words, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes almost of what it must have been like to have gone through all those different levels to have grinded out to a point where, I mean, at that point you were a highly touted, highly productive player at Valpo who now all of a sudden has this one extra year, loves the game so much. You're going to take advantage of that. And then Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just assuming just thinking through this, but to get a phone call from somebody on the Michigan state staff heading into a season where they've got a guy national player of the year type in Draymond green, a bunch mm-hmm. of talent around you. Like what, what was that process like when you first heard from Michigan state and did you know right away that you were going to end up there? Sure, man. Great question. So following each college season, majority of coaches, I'm assuming they meet with the players and, and their families, you know? So after, after my second year of Alpo, we were 
you know, we had scheduled a meeting for my parents to come up, my sister, you know, we would meet with Coach Homer, Coach Bryce, my athletic director, and kind of just go over my options at the time. You know, I had just graduated. Um, I was a redshirt junior at the time, so I put my name in the draft. So my name was in the draft. Um, so I had some options. You know, I could either – I could have not put my name in the draft and just stayed at Valpo for my fifth year and continued into my master's program. Um, I could have – kept my name in the draft and just kind of seeing what happened. You know, I could have taken my name out the draft, just went overseas. So I had a few options, you know, at that mm -hmm. point in time, having just graduated. So prior to that, about a week or so before that meeting, um, we were kind of made aware of the rule, that fifth year transfer rule. So came time for the meeting. We were meeting with coach Drew uh, and coach Bryce and, you know, they were kind of leading the meeting. You know, they were my coaches. You know, they kind of have been through the process, so they were leading the meeting. And they kind of went through those different options that I've mentioned before. And then after they went through those, my, my dad was in there. He said, he was like, you know, there's another option that we might be considering at the time. And he was like, you know, the fifth grade transfer rule, you know, to where Brandon, since he just graduated, um, he's eligible to transfer right away and play immediately as long as he just, you know, choose a degree that's different than one Valpo offers, you know? So I man, immediately it was a complete shock to the, to the coaches, to the athletic director, you know, and we were kind of on edge, kind of just waiting to see what they would say, you know, uh, really just wanted to bring it up just to be able to talk about it, you know, just to, to get their advice on the, the rule and, you know, their advice on whether or not, you know, they feel it'd be appropriate for me at the time. You know, so obviously their first reaction was kind of, you know, in shock, kind of wanted me to stay, kind of questioning, you know, why, you know, whatever. So um, oh, they were big, oh, they were they were big sick. I know it. I know they were yeah. hurt. Yeah, no, nah, they were for sure. <laughs> but, and then, but once once we talked about it and we everything calmed down and they kind of heard my kind of my perspective, you know, they they fully supported me. You know, so it was, you know, a great situation for me just to be you know, under two coaches who I was comfortable with, who I had experience with, who I trusted, who trusted me, you know. So although it might have been misunderstood by them for a moment or even by my, some of my teammates or some of the Valpo community, it's like, you know, it was it was a decision that pretty much right when I found out about it, it was a no-brainer, you know. So mm -hmm. it was like it just had to play out, you know, with the process, you know, but it was – you know, opportunity that I definitely had to take. And it's, it's really been life changing. Definitely, definitely. So like during this process, once you finally kind of get to that decision that you're looking elsewhere for the fifth year, what, what, what kind of was that the process of choosing that next location? Like, or, you know what I'm saying? Going through, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not really sure how it was back then, but was it really just going through like the recruitment process over again? How'd that kind of work out? Yeah, it was very similar. So at the beginning, so schools couldn't reach out to me. So I had to produce a document that kind of stated that I was transferring. Uh, I was uh, executing, you know, doing the fifth year transfer rule. I had to send a letter out to the schools to kind of make them aware that I was leaving and, and then to, to give them the, um, the legal kind of legal way or appropriate right way to reach out to me, you know, given all the NCA rules and all that stuff, you know, so mm -hmm sent out a letter to like 10 or 15 different colleges and, you know, 
just started to hear back, you know, kind of as they were interested in it, kind of, it pretty much came down to between Purdue and Michigan State. Um, at the time, my dad was working at Purdue. So me being from Indiana, my dad working at Purdue, it kind of, kind of made sense, you know, and so it was like, I would talk to uh, Painter one day, and then I talked to Izzo the next, and so it's kind of like I was going back and forth throughout the little process. But man, yeah, it was it was definitely it was exactly like, you know, opening up my recruiting process, you know, and they kind of were able to pitch the situations to me. Um, I was talking to UConn, uh, Florida State. Um, I remember UConn. I was talking to a representative from there. And he was, you know, that was right after Kimba finished up. Mm-hmm. So he was like, man, we need somebody to come replace Kimba. So I'm like, I, I'm like man, I, would have, I probably would have been a smooth look, you know. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a, a good look. But really what kind of made – what definitely made the decision for me, like I said, I was in the draft at the time. You know, I pretty – I knew I wasn't going to stay in the draft, you know. Even though I had two great years at Valpo, I was pretty much just in there just to get the feedback and kind of hear from the teams and – see what I needed to focus on moving forward. So going through that process, um, they the main things I was hearing is they wanted me to work on my toughness and my defense. So, you know, I I never really was the best defender, you know, up until that point because I, you know, I really wasn't a committed defender. So, and I wasn't, I wouldn't say I wasn't tough. I just, I could be tougher, you know, but you so, was you was yeah. worried about putting the ball in the basket. Yeah, I was just getting yeah. Hey, that's the name of the game. I, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. I, I know defense is great, but Greg, I always yeah. say it. You gotta put the ball in the hoop. Like that's part of the that's game. the game. Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. So so really after hearing that feedback and then kind of hear talking to the different schools I could potentially go to, it's like, man, what better option to kind of kill that noise about the defense? <laughs> this than to go to Michigan State and become a Spartan. So I was like, I made that decision based on the feedback I, I had received from the scouts. And, you know, it, it went, you know, as smooth as it could have went, you know, so it was it was real good. Yeah, you I'm say happy, deep. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that because I'm picturing uh, you just busting State's ass in Mackey and that would have pissed me off. That, that man, that place gives me the chills, man. I bust their ass the year before, so they already knew who I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I gotta say, you say defense and toughness, and I'm sure Tom Izzo's ears lit up as soon as he heard that. He's like, "Well, this is the place for you." And it's funny thinking like Izzo and Painter have had their head-to-head recruiting battles through the years too, and this is one I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of that ever happened. But score one yeah. for the Spartans there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm. That that roster that you come in, like, what are your first impressions when you actually get in the gym and you start to meet some of the guys? What was that like? Man, so I kind of related to when I transferred from SIU to my JUCO. You know, I was coming in with a bunch of D1 transfers. You know, they were all probably more – I was athletic, you know, but they were more athletic than me, faster, stronger. And, like, I remember, like, the first open gym at my JUCO at Highland I'm thinking like, man, am I, am I even going to be able to play here? You know, am I even going to be able to keep up, you know, with this level of talent? Yeah, it's a Juco level, but it's like, you know, these players can play, you know, and they're physically, you know, more developed than me. So I related to that to where like, man, it was just a whole another level, you know, to where like I'm on the court with Brandon Dawson, you know, Adrian Payne, 
um, Keith Applin, Draymond, uh, even the freshman, Brandon Kearney, Travis Trice. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, man, it was it was just so, so much more intense, you know, and way much more athleticism. So where I was like kind of thinking the same thoughts, you know, I knew I was a great player, but it's like, man, I don't know if I'm physically ready. You know, they might just, I might not just be prepared physically, you know, but uh, once I got playing and got comfortable in the system, you know, and kind of got adjusted, you know, it, it was, it was all good, you know, but I definitely had those thoughts like, man, yeah, this, this another level playing wise, you know, so. Uh, I had to put in the extra work, you know, like never before. Yeah. So when we had uh, we had my, uh, Matt Costello on earlier, we asked oh. him basically just to tell us, you know, because basically bas- people outside of Michigan State, like the fans and everyone in college basketball, they know Tom Izzo as he's nuts and he's crazy. <laughs> and Matt Costello basically was like, I mean, yeah, he is kind of nuts and he is kind of crazy. Like, can you kind of talk about like your first interaction with Izzo or like, you know, kind of talk to kind of what it was like being a player for him? Yeah, sure, man. So first off, just once I began talking on the phone with him, you know, just that the dialogue leading up to the decision, you know, just, uh, uh, man, he just, nothing was given, you know, nothing's ever been given to me, but, that's one thing he made clear that, you know, if you decide to make th- this decision and you, you know, feel like this is the best move for you, you know, I don't care what you did at Valpo. I don't care what first teams you were on, what player of the year, none of that. You know, I don't care about none of that. You know, you're going to have to come here and show that you can compete at this level. You know, you're going to have to come in and earn my trust, you know, so that I definitely respected that going in um, just based on me growing up and everything I've heard about him and, the Spartan program and just kind of how he operates as a coach and as a leader, you know, I knew that that level of accountability was going to be probably the highest I've ever experienced, which it was, you know, but yeah, man, but yeah, he, yeah, he's crazy, man. He's crazy for <laughs> real, man. But I'll give you one story, man. One. So there's kind of a story that kind of, I like to tell kind of, kind of paints the picture for him, you know? Uh, so we were in a film. We were in a film session uh, with the whole team, watching film uh, before this, before the season even began. So, um, and I feel like this was probably kind of planned. So he, I remember uh, Izzo was up there at the front. He asked me like, he asked me what my three point percentage was from Valpo the year before. So I, um, at the time, like, I wasn't, I, I wasn't a player that like I looked at my numbers, but like I really wasn't the player that like understood percentages, you know, and, and how big of a difference 1% is or 0.5%, you know, or 2%, like that's a big difference, you know, over the span of a season. Mm. So he asked me what my three point percentage was. And I'm like, you know, like 40, like 40%. And he, he looked at me and then he looked at Draymond who was sitting like down a little closer to him. He was like, Draymond, uh, what's, what was Brandon's three point percentage at Valpo last year? And I forget exactly what it was, but Draymond just instantly responded with it like, you know, 36.6, you know? <laughs> so then Izzo looked at me and he was just like, so you fucking lying to me, Brandon? Like, <laughs> I excuse my language, but you good. Like, you you good. Like, so you lying to me, Brandon? Like, <laughs> like you know, you, you you come here, like, leave that shit at Valpo. You know, don't, don't bring that. He, like, really went in on me. Like, you know, we don't do that as a Spartan. Like, 
this that's not what we do here. Like he really made a point to kind of drive that accountability and that, you know, just the the importance of, you know, the details, you know, that's what it kind of speaks for to me. Just he's so detail oriented. It's like when I just was thinking I was just rounding up a couple percent, you know, it's like, no, every point, every percentage counts, every point one, point two, it all counts, you know. So that was kind of that was before we even started. So that kind of set the tone for what I was getting myself into. Oh, I can amazing. tell. I can just picture Draymond giving that like deadpan response. Like I know it. Like I'm right on it. I'm on his ass. Like, to, the, to the decimal point, I'm on his yeah. ass. Don't, don't yeah, let him say like, that. I knew. It. Yeah, I know they were ready for it. They're like, yeah, he he fell for it. They were. Yeah, I, 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 they got me. They got me for sure. No, that definitely had to be a setup. I refuse to believe that Draymond just knew that down to the decimal point on the cue. Yeah. I mean, I know he's. I know he's one of the smartest basketball players ever. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know about down to the decimal. Point. <laughs> yeah. Nah, man, but yeah, but like, like you hear though, man, like he's crazy and he he'll try you, he holds you. It's really just come to accountability, you know. It's that's what I've learned, you know. The people that hold you the most accountable, that's who you want to be around, you know. That's who you want to be with, you know. That's who, you know, who who who, who you should trust, you know, who be- really believes in you, because you know, ho- holding yourself to that level of accountability, having others, that's what's really gonna bring the best out of you. So at the same time, when he's crazy, it's like he he allows you to kind of try him as well, you know, and yell at him or cuss at him or, you know, it's been times when we're about to, we look like we're about to square up and fight, you know. So <laughs> it's, it's just the love, though, you know, it's the passion. It's it's the competitiveness, you know. It's, it's really what makes being a Spartan, you know. But, you know, I'm just thankful I was there for one year to get the experience that. Definitely. So you hear that, Greg? I just hope you. I hope you hear that. That's why no, all it is: it's accountability no, so I... and guys fighting and going into battle. That's all. That's all it is. So we gotta let's let's go here with this. So we've talked to some Michigan players. We talked to some Michigan State players, and I feel like the one thing that is a consistent theme from the Spartans that isn't from the Wolverines is one that toughness, but two, it's like almost a family type feeling where like you get through that accountability, you get through the swearing and the yelling and the holding each other accountable. And then it's like, you made it through together and you accomplish your goals. Or even if you came up short, like all of a sudden there's this bond of almost like a, a, a brother type feel to everybody that's a part of that program. I don't get the sense watching from the outside that that's how it is at Michigan. At least it wasn't during the John Beeline era. It was much more like players are there to do a job, to advance their careers, to become professional basketball players and both worked like we're talking your era of in my opinion the greatest rivalry in college basketball where both teams were making final fours uh winning big 10 championships like really running through the big 10 so i guess is that a correct characterization of that like do you do you feel a family atmosphere and i guess looking at the rivalry and only being in it in one year do you notice that difference between michigan state and michigan um I wouldn't necessarily say I noticed the difference between state and Michigan. Um, man, I feel like that kind of speaks for, for all the schools, not all the schools, but the schools that are at that level. You know, I kind of put Michigan State with like Duke, you know, North Carolina, Kansas. You know, I don't know if Michigan is necessarily in that conversation, you know, so I feel like all schools and all the universities, especially at that level, regardless of, you know, whether you're in that 
elite group of schools, you know, or just at the high level D1, it's like, man, it's, it's so much more intense on an everyday basis. Like whether it's making it to classes, making it to study table, you know, um, make the coaches making sure you're eating right, you know, making it to your weight classes. It's like, there's so much, it's so much more, you have to be so much more prepared. It's like that intensity level has to be so much higher than what you can even imagine, you know, and what comes with that intensity is that accountability, you know? So it's like, it's kind of like, man, all that, that the fighting and the yelling and the, you know, what you speak on to what you end up getting through. It's like, it, it won't always be understood, you know, unless you're really in it, you know, and you, you experience, you know, there's so many people that kind of look at Izzo's reactions and how he coached us, you know, and they kind of would question it, you know, and even think that we should question ourselves when those of us that are within it support it, you mm -hmm. know? So mm -hmm. it's like, it's just, man, it's just hard to explain. And I kind of, I really got the, I feel like I can explain it the best because I played at all the levels of college. You know, mm -hmm. I played at D1, mid-major, a team that came off the Sweet 16 and my freshman year and then went JUCO and then went back to a mid-major who had a strong history. And then I made it to the highest level, you know, and the difference is, is that intensity, you know, and that attention to detail and that accountability, you know, and what comes with that is, you know, higher emotions, you know, stronger feelings, you know, it's, it's all competing and we're all, you know, and at that level, it's a business, you know, you really recognize and realize it's a business at that level, you know, and that's a big difference from Valpo to Michigan State, you know, when that business is involved and that money's involved, it's a, it's a whole <laughs> different preparation, you know, so that was kind of like, as we were learning the money, how it was involved and how it played a part and how the players sacrificed and all that, but it's like, once that money's involved, you know, once you look back and reflect, it's like it all makes sense, you know. For sure. Real, yeah, that's, that's, it's real. Definitely. So I know you mentioned that uh, Draymond called you out in the meeting, and I know you probably got some some wild some wild Draymond stories. Is, is there anyone in particular that just sticks out to you that you could tell us? Uh, man, I know he was on your ass. Let me thank you. <laughs> Uh, was this I this may not have been the year you were there, but I remember a Draymond quote because he was injured during the Michigan Michigan State game that week. Yeah. And I remember him basically being asked by the media, like, what would it take for you to miss this game? And he was just like death. That's all he said. <laughs> and he got up and left the media. I don't I think that was his senior year, but I could be wrong. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. You know, that, that rivalry, as y'all know, man, it's. It's, it's the strongest rivalry I've ever been a part of, you know, and and even it was another learning lesson that, you know, one of my learning lessons and one of the times where they rightfully stepped up and held me to the highest level of accountability. So when we played at Michigan, final, like the last, at the end, very end of the game, there was a play where like they got a fast break, you know, and I was, I was like under the rim. So I wasn't up with the break, like with the play. But you could see me in the video. I wasn't sprinting back. My, like, I wasn't giving my full effort, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't consciously, you know, it was unconsciously me just kind of being in the moment. And I ran back, but I, I definitely didn't give the max effort. 
afterwards when we watched that film, oh man, <laughs> hey, ooh, man, they 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 let me have it, man. So I think that was another one of the times where they were like, you know, yeah, he's experienced, he's a fifth year, he graduated, but you know, you're a new Spartan, you know, and we're gonna we we have to let you know, you know, the importance of this, you know, and I don't think they believe I necessarily didn't run back on purpose. It was just like, you know, as we speak to accountability, it's like you, you might not even understand and it might not be consciously, but it's like them holding you to that standard. It's like it's going to do nothing but make you better, you know, and, and be more aware, you know. So definitely another learning moment as a Spartan. <laughs> I think one of the top five experiences as a basketball player, and I think all basketball players know is – one, when you're watching film and you know you fucked up, like when you fuck up in the game, you're like, damn, once you see this on film, like they're going to be on my head. Or you're in the film room, you see it, and you're like, damn, I wonder if they about to notice this. And then, of course, yeah. they, they never miss it. Coaches ain't never yeah. going to miss it. No, never. no, not at all, man. And that's another difference, man, between level to level and even, you know, country to country. Like the best teams I've played on when I won at a high level, man, every single play – they're holding accountable no matter what happened, no matter if there's two players that messed up in the play or, or three players or just one player, like as a coach. And if you want to be a great coach, if you want to win, you're going to hold your players and your staff accountable every single time, you know, even to a point to where it's like, we might not understand as players, you know, we might not like you for, for a minute as players or as a, you know, coworker being coach to coach, you know, because that's important too. You know, holding your you know staff accountable, they might not understand it. You know, or might not agree. But man, that's the the greats. Man, they attention to detail. Man, that's what that, it goes is. For, that goes for podcasting too. Gee, that's why I need you to hold me accountable. Because you know, sometimes I can I can get the going. I know sometimes you get a little sloppy. It's okay. It just happens. It happens. It's okay. Well, I'll, I'll I'll try to get my Izzo on. I'll cuss you out in the next film session. How about I that? I appreciate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I, I'm actually, I was working on a, a draft of an article for, I'm going to plug this shamelessly, but for SpartanHoops.com today. And mm -hmm. I'm working on like a, a season preview of Tyson Walker, who is transferring into Michigan State at the point guard spot from Northeastern. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I'm trying to square, like from watching his film, he's super dynamic. He's, he's great. He's explosive off the bounce. He can pass, he can shoot, he can do it all. He's also like six foot, 160 pounds. And so I'm watching all these videos of, you know, I, I think it's the CAA is the conference they're in. I don't know how that compares to the Horizon League, but mm -hmm. like what's what's obviously you talked about the, just the level of intensity and like seeing the physicality in the athletes. But you had success. You you got over that hump, whatever that hump was like. Do you, is that really that difficult? Like, do you think a player of that small stature can come right in and make a day one impact or is it going to take a little while? I mean, I believe they could, you know, I don't think, you know, that really depends on, you know, the, the physical, the physical parts, you know, whether he's small or, or not very heavy or light, you know, or fast or, or, or slow, you know, I feel like it's more so that transition is more so a mental transition. You know, I, at that point, like, one of the things, when I went to Michigan State, up until Michigan State, I pretty much had always been the go-to player, you know, mm -hmm. every single team I had played on. So at that point, you know, fortunately, I was experienced being a fifth-year senior, but at Michigan State, I had to really, that's where I learned how to play a role. 
you know, and really buy into a role and kind of, I didn't, I never really had pride issues, but like kind of put my pride to the side in the sense of me being aggressive at all times and, and me being expecting to have the ball in my hand, you know, just, I really understood where I was at and I really truly accepted that, you know, so I know every role is different, you know, his role being a point guard, you know, he, he'll probably have a bigger role than I did, you know, he'll have the ball in his hands and be expected to, you know, push the ball and make plays, get the team set up. But I feel like that transition is, you know, as long as he's prepared mentally, you know, for, you know, for things not to be as easy as it was where he was at, you know, for coaches to test you in the film sessions or to test you on the practice floor or to, to snatch you out the star lineup for a game to see how you react. You know, it's like, how are you going to handle that stuff? You know, how, how are you going to handle being at a university like Michigan State, you know, with so many more people and so many more potential distractions and, you know, so much more going on? Like, how are you going to be able to balance that, you know, with school? And, you know, now these days, you know, everything that come with social media, you know, I can only imagine how much more intention it takes to stay focused these days. So I feel like that's a, a, a move that as long as he's prepared mentally, you know, he, he's a ball player. You know, I'm not too experienced or too familiar with this game, but as long as he's prepared mentally and just comes in confident, you know, that's one thing I did. I, I didn't, I had those questions, but I was always confident, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, when you're prepared and that pre preparation kind of meets with the confidence, like then, then you're good. You know? So I think he'll be good. Well, and I think confidence is something that I think from, I know this from researching for this article, but from the guys that Izzo and staff have honed in on and brought in as transfers, because they don't hit the portal very much. But yeah. you look at the history of it. It was you. It was Bryn Forbes. Then it was just recently Joey Hauser. Like they've they've had really positive success overwhelmingly with guys that a lot of them were player of the years, just like you were in the conference before you came here. So I think that's Tyson Walker fits that mold. Exactly. I'm actually super high on him, but it's, it's interesting. Cause I think the mental piece is not what people would expect of what would be the piece for him to get over the hump, but in reality, it probably will be. So that's great insight. Yeah, man. I, I mean, at all levels that, you know, no matter what level, you know, there's a mental aspect to it, you know? So I feel like, uh, man, as long, yeah, as long as he comes in, has a good, group of people around him, you know, pulling for him, fighting for him. He'll be all right. Yeah, for sure. We on your ass this year, G. <laughs> no, you know um, so uh, we do got to talk about some staff changes because Michigan State is bringing some former players back into the program that yeah. was just announced last week. Austin Thornton being one of them, Matt McQuaid being the other. I think fans are really excited about this from the buzz that I've seen just on social media. It's to me, it's always great to get friendly faces back in the program um, again, to do a little bit of a name drop, but our friend drew Valentine was around as a graduate assistant, worked his way up. Now he's obviously experiencing great success at Loyola. So I think like what Michigan state's been able to do in the past, even like Tom, Tom Nairn, who's now at, at sunrise Christian, They've had guys who, who have really high IQs that are just great examples of guys that work their way through a four-year program, 
stay around the program, know that family atmosphere, the accountability piece. Um, and I think that's something that's invaluable for staff. So uh, it, it, for you, I don't know how well you know McQuaid or Austin Thornton. I'm guessing you probably know Austin Thornton a little better, but um, do you think that's going to be really impactful going forward for the program? Yeah, I think so, man. And and congratulations to Austin for sure, man. He was he was a senior that same year, you know, me, him, Day Day, and Anthony Ayani. So we all finished up the same, the same after the same year. So and we actually, me and AT, we were um we our lockers were right next to each other. So we, you know, spent a lot of time talking. And he back when I was there, you know, like I was speaking on the mental part, you just just getting through the daily grind you know physical grind mental grind at used to he used to be one of the players like because I, I i could i was getting through it you know i was good like handling it dealing with the stuff myself but it's always good to have you know those teammates around you that can kind of pick you up when you know they they see you've experienced something that has probably had them down before you know or they kind of just feel your vibe and you know kind of just pick you up give tell you a couple words and you know, make you feel better. So AT, I remember plenty of times walking off the practice court to the locker room and just talking for a little bit, him just telling me, just don't worry about it. You know, just that's what, that's how it goes, you know, to stay focused type stuff. So, you know, definitely look forward to, I know he's been pulling to get a position there, I believe for a while since he was there as a grad assistant. So that's, that's good to see him get back in there. Um, I don't really know Matt. I don't, I don't think I ever, I haven't met him before. So, uh, but yeah, man, just, you know, to be able to keep players like them, you know, players that, you know, AT, Matt McQuaid, who, you know, they were reliable, you know, he, and coach trusted them, you know, they didn't have the biggest roles, you know, but, you know, the coaches could count on them when things got tough to kind of keep the team together, you know, and kind of keep that balance themselves, you know, so I'm sure as a head coach and as assistant coaches, they kind of look to that at when they're in the process of recruiting new coaches to kind of bring up through the system, you know, whether they were a part of the Spartans already or not, you know, so, uh, yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me that those two end up there, you know, the little I know about Matt and the, you know, a lot I know about AT, but, you know, that's, that's great to see, you know, and definitely, you know, look forward to following them and, you know, reaching out for some tickets when I, when I need them. <laughs> Sir, got to get them tickets. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so just to kind of go back to, to more of your playing career, um, you know, just after Michigan State. And I, I also recently just seen, and you could correct me on this, you just signed to play in Serbia? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay, congrats on that. Congrats, I mean, man. I, I was uh, looking at, you know, kind of your, uh, your, I mean, the places that you played. You played in Hungary, Italy, Lithuania, Switzerland. I mean, you kind of been all over the country. And I know from people that all over the world, Kat. Did I say the country? I'm sorry. All over the country. Thank you for holding me. Good catch, good catch. That's accountability oh, right there. You there seen you that, people? I, I appreciate you. All over the world. That's and, important, you know, man. From, from hey, the stories, the from most, the stories hey, I've heard from overseas days. basketball players, I mean, the all the experiences are different. So if you want to talk kind of a little bit about that and what your experience has been like being able to see all these places. Man, it's, it's been everything I never would have imagined, man. Just being able to – my first time going overseas was in 2009. Homer Drew, uh, he sent me – before I arrived on campus at Valpo, he had sent me on a, a tour with Athletes in Action. I don't know if you're familiar. 
think I've heard of that before. Yeah, yeah it's like a, um, a faith-based organization that mm-hmm. goes on like mission trips and then they'll play against some some pro teams in the countries they go to. Mm-hmm. So before I began at Valpo, uh, that's when I got my first experience overseas. So um, finishing up at Michigan State, um, really just um, I kind of right when I finished Michigan State, I was training in Chicago. And I kind of got in a little bit of the situation that was kind of unfortunate um, and really lost all my workouts. You know, I, I only end up having like one or two, one actual NBA workout at the NBA team facility. And then I had like one or two more where the teams came to us in Chicago. So I really didn't get to experience the draft pre-draft workouts, you know, due to, you know, putting myself in some situations around, different people, you know, just finding myself kind of wrong place, wrong time. Mm-hmm. So um, I, you know, realized quickly that I would be heading overseas, you know, so I'm like, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, I wasn't really familiar with the different countries or the different leagues. Um, but I do remember uh, prior to me going to Michigan State, I was visiting my family in Pennsylvania and I was at a barber shop and there was a player, a current player at the time, who, who was overseas and I remember talking to him at the barbershop and at the time he had played in like nine or ten different countries and was kind of just giving me his experience on you know his situation and his journey to that point you know and like I said like I didn't have any expectations you know I didn't know what I was getting myself into I didn't have any pros that were above me from my hometown who I could look up to you know so I really didn't have anybody to look up to as a professional, you know, so I really just been learning off experience the whole time, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, signed my first deal in Macedonia, um, went to training camp for two weeks, came back from training camp, played a couple of preseason games. And before we even started the regular season, the team released me. So I was like, my first thought was like, I mean, I, I mean, I really didn't, know too much about the business at the time mm-hmm. so my first thought was just like you know okay keep it moving you know what's kind of what's next and that's kind of been my mindset kind of throughout my whole life which has kind of been really one of, one of my strengths you know to mm-hmm. kind of just be able to keep it moving so ended up going to hungry and getting to hungry before the season even began and ended up playing my whole rookie season pretty much there besides the training camp and one uh, we won the cup championship, a tournament that's played within the season. And then we ended up winning the Hungarian national championship. So my rookie year, I won two two championships and I won finals MVP. So following my rookie year, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with overseas. You know, that rookie year kind of set me up, you know, a great foundation moving forward into my career, you know, being a winner, you know, overseas, they want players that have won. And that have produced, you know, so I've been able to do that pretty much at every level. You know, I've been on some losing teams and kind of felt the negative experience, the negative effects of being on a neg- on a losing team. But, you know, having a strong foundation and winning early in my career. Then I went to Italy and played really well. And then I played in Lithuania well. So everywhere I played, I've always produced and uh, ended up going to Switzerland and won two more championships. So I pretty had a pretty solid you know respectable career it's kind of been all over the place if you look at the countries and you're looking at it from a 
an overseas business perspective, you might not understand it. But me, like kind of how it played out for me, after I got released from Macedonia, after training camp, after practice, I kind of realized like how the business was, you know, early. Mm -hmm. So it kind of allowed me to flip a switch and be like, you know, I'm going to just soak it all in. You know, I'm going to just go with the flow. Whatever's next, I'm going to kind of just ride it out, you know, and go with it, you know. So throughout my career, that's kind of worked in my favor, you know, to where at times when I would be in between jobs, you know, I'd be uh, focused on uh, the community work that I've done, you know. So I've kind of – I kind of developed a kind of – favorable mindset for this business you know just to be able to not mentally deal with all the bullshit you know and all the the unprofessional business and everything that comes with it you know so although i've experienced a lot of that different stuff in different places you know i've played with some good clubs you know in general you know so i've got a great experience you know and uh man my wife has been with me the whole time traveling so we've been able to be in our bubble, you know, have really developed ourselves as individuals, as a man, as a woman, as a couple, you know. So it's, uh, man, allowed us to kind of shield ourselves from a bunch of distractions, you know, being from what I've learned here in America, you know, being influenced <laughs> by so many different things. Mm-hmm. So like we've really been kind of in a very protected state for a long time. So it's kind of worked in our favor you know at the same time you know there's some unfortunate parts that come with being gone all that time and being perceived in different ways you know so you know we've got the full experience but it's you know it's been everything that you know we like I said everything we never would have imagined you know and just to be able to go to another new country in August you know it's it's just another step on you know within my dream man so definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, it's definitely good to hear because I feel like the stigma around it and I mean, it's it definitely is true, but you always hear the horror stories about what happens overseas, you know, late payment, no payment, living situations, you always hear the negative stories. So it's good to hear that, you know, you you know, you're able to kind of, you know, take the negative situations that you have been in, but you also have some really good ones as well. And, you know, being able to keep moving, keep pushing. Having your yeah. wife there with you must be very nice. She can never say you never took her anywhere. You take her <laughs> over the world. Yeah. I know my fiance is always on my ass trying to tell them I'll take me somewhere. Yeah. You've done that for your wife, so that's good to hear. And, you know, it's yeah. always uh, it's always good to hear about people having great experiences, but especially a Spartan dog having a great experience overseas. So it's yeah, always man. good to hear. And I, and I know you're getting buckets, so I ain't that, I that, 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 that an issue. Fact. Appreciate that, man. But, yeah, man, well. It's, it's been great, man, and I've been fortunate to have the mindset that I have, you know, even though I wasn't really conscious of how how I was moving and how I was persevering. Like, I wasn't really conscious at the time how that is really a strength, you know, but at the same time, it's like the late payments, the Wi-Fi, like I've experienced all that, you know, it's, I've experienced, you know, everything you can experience, but Luckily, I've had my wife with me through those times, you know, so I doubt I would have been playing now, you know, and I doubt th- some of those situations would have panned out how they did if she wasn't with me. So, you know, that's that's definitely been, you know, one of the greatest parts about being over there, you know, not only having someone to lean on every single day at all times and 
someone to make it easier on me, but, you know, someone to experience those different countries and travel while we're in those different countries and experience the history and meet the different people and, you know, eat the different food and party in the different countries. You know, we've done all that together, you know, so yeah, it's been everything doing it with her, you know. I definitely don't take that for granted. Shout out to the Queens. Yeah, yeah, that's what life life is all about. Keep the Queens happy. Got Give it, them some experiences it. and think good things happen. Yeah, um, all right. So we we asked Twitter and Instagram and just social in general to give us questions. We told them we had Brandon Wood, Spartan Dog coming on the show. We got a bunch of really good questions. Thank you to everybody who submitted them. We picked yeah. out three of our favorites. So we're going to run through three questions from the people. Wait, um, G, G can, I, can I get a quick word in before you ask the question? Oh, go ahead. So one of the most popular questions was actually who did this graphic with all your jerseys on it? Because people were asking who did that, because that is a, that's a dope graphic you got. It's got you and your Spartan jersey and then all the places you pay in the play in the background. Did you you didn't make that, did you? You do a little graphic design? No, no, no I, didn't, I didn't make it. One of my um, is a young boy I got connected with who lives in the Dominican Republic. And he uh, I reached out to him. He did it. So, yeah, he. Shout out to him, man. He, he looked out. Oh, yeah, he killed it. It was popular. That was one of the most popular things about it. We got the questions, and then it added at the end. Love the graphic. I thought you were about to take credit for that graphic card because a lot of people were saying, did Carter make that? And you, you hesitated a little I, bit. I, can't, I couldn't do it. I can't content, Jack. I wanted to, but I, I ain't going to do it. I can't. Respect, respect. All right. Um, so for, first question comes from, quote, not Dan Dockage on Twitter. Favorite place? On the MSU campus, oh, favorite place on campus. I seen that question too, man. My first thought was campus. Like I was, I was a fifth year senior. I wasn't in classes. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Online, I was <laughs> online. I was in online classes. So I, was, I was really just hooping. So, uh, but yeah, man, favorite place on campus got to be the Breslin Center. Definitely got to be the Brez. And uh, man, let me think, man. And really, right. Right off the of campus, you know. I don't know if y'all. Obviously, you familiar? I'm from Lansing, right yeah. There. Ricks, Dublin. I knew he was going. To, I was going to ask <laughs> about Ricks. All right, yes, sir. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that's that, that. That counts as campus, right? That's pretty. Oh, great. of course, of course, yeah. of course. We'll we'll clip that, and that clip alone will single handedly keep Ricks afloat for a few more months. So, thank you <laughs> man, for that. Shout out to Ricks, man. I man, they they showed a lot of love back then, man. It was man, it, it, and like man. That experience, man, just is still surreal to me, you know, just being on the road, playing a road game at Ohio State, coming back on the on the on the jet, landing, you know, going getting clean, you know, doing whatever, going. Uh man, it used to be it was so cool, man. It's just all it's like everything you would imagine, you know, like I remember we'd go into Ricks and man. One time, uh, one time for my bro, I know he's going through a tough situation, Keith Applin, but man, I just remember, you know, we used to spend a lot of time together, you know, and, and that's my guy, man. That's my little bro. And that's a situation that really hits way closer to home than what you could probably imagine. Uh, and, and a situation that I'll, I'll speak on more, you know, moving forward. But man, I just remember us getting off the, off the, off the plane you know, getting cleaned up. Uh, we'd go to say we one night we'd go to Rick's. You know, and the people at Rick's they like, you know, everybody wanted to meet us. You know, and I had never experienced it at that level. Mm -hmm. You know, like I obviously I've been a player and 
you know, I understand the importance of and the effect that we have, you know, just interacting with people and, you know, speaking with people and, you know, having that conversation. I understand the importance and meaning behind that. But man, I just remember we like that we'd be sitting at a table and they'd just be sending people through, you know, and they'd just come and introduce themselves and we introduce ourselves, talk to them, and they kind of just it was crazy how they just be lined up, you know. Yeah. And so it was like just just getting experiences like that, you know, having two years prior being at a JUCO, you know, and having grown up, you know, watching the movies and hearing the stories of, you know, how it kind of goes and just getting that experience, man, it was, man, it, it was, I loved it, man. I just tried to soak it all in, man. They went so fast now thinking back of it, man, but yeah, man, just, just times like that, man, that shout out to Ricks, man. Shout out to all those bars. And, you know, they, they all showed a lot of love. Oh, Ricks is, Ricks is a beautiful place. I don't care what anyone <laughs> says. It might have yeah. sticky floors. It might be a little d- dirty down there. And it oh, might be yeah. a little dark. But you it's know, like, Carter Carter went to Albion the years that we were at Michigan State, and Carter made a couple road trips. I believe I don't want to be throwing you off your cover here, Carter, but mid-season basketball road trips at Albion, making an overnighter just to come to Ricks and the yeah, bar I, for a person who didn't go to Michigan State, I was definitely first team on Ricks. At least I've been mentioned. I was in that thing all the time. Hey man, Ricks used to be <laughs> jumping, man, and it's like it's like two bars in one. Yeah, yeah I was like you. You on the one side, you checking it out, you know what I'm saying? Okay, you know what I'm saying? Let me go see, check the other side, see what's going on, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was cool, man. I love it. I'm so happy you mentioned Ricks. I'm so happy. I know. We're we're just glowing right now. This is great. Um, All right, second question comes courtesy of Cam Wells 32. She wants to know about your JUCO time. What did, I think you already talked about this a little bit, but what did Juco ball teach you and what have you taken with you for the rest of your hoop career that's gone all over the world from that experience? So my Juco, it taught me work ethic, like how to really push myself without, without coaches, you know, without teammates around. It's really, that was when I really, like I said, learn how to really push myself, you know, not needing no music, not needing no person or, no outside motivation you know it was that was at a time where obviously I I needed to gain more strength you know I was coming off an injury still two injuries kind of you know so it was a time where I had to spend a lot of time in the weight room you know and and our gym at my JUCO was our gym was a part of the YMCA so we could go to the YMCA go to the weight room or go upstairs and shoot whenever we wanted to 24 hours a day so one of my teammates, actually the teammate who, after he found out I was leaving SIU, his name was Lamar Lee. We were familiar with each other. We grew up with each other in Indiana, playing high school ball, playing AAU. So when he found out I was transferring from SIU, he was at the time transferring um, from, what was it, from Indiana State. So he was already committed to Highland. So he kind of put me, you know, if he kind of pitched me the situation. And, you know, and, and Lamar, he – he already kind of had that work ethic, you know, he already had that, you know, that personal accountability, you know, being able to, you know, not, not cheat reps, you know, and I know people talk about, you know, doing the extra reps and, and really pushing yourself, but it's like, that shit's real. You know what I'm saying? Like being in, like, it goes a long ways. If you're putting in work, you're putting in good work and you're not cheating 
the reps, you know, are treating that cheating the exercise, whether no whether the team is around or whether, you know, nobody's around, you know, doing that and going the extra mile when nobody's around like that really, that's really what pays off. Like it sounds cliche, but it's like when, when you've done it and experienced it and your, my work ethic is still getting greater to this day. It's like, that's what, that's what pays off, you know? So Highland, you know, I was committed before the season. I was able to learn how to push myself, you know, in the weight room. So, you know, Highland was really where I really, you know, took my own personal work ethic to another level. You know, I knew I needed to be ready for wherever my next destination destination was. And, you know, like I told you in the open gym, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to hang physically, you know. So, you know, that that's important, you know, work ethic. That That's definitely what I took away from there. Work doesn't lie, man. Uh, but like, so I, I coach a high school team just local here. And I actually got a story from this week that applies right to this. But we we got two players who have both received all state honorable mention. We're small high school um, in Michigan. But one of them received all state honors his freshman year. And then for a couple different reasons, hasn't played basketball the last two years since he's going to come back out for his senior year. One of them just received all state as a junior after playing on the freshman team his freshman year, after working his way up, after spending all that time in the gym, we rolled the ball out, open gym, first day of summer ball this year. First time these two are playing in any setting against each other in front of coaches in three years. You know, they've grown up the same age group their whole lives. They've both been good hoopers. And yeah. it was a big time back and forth, big time competition. Both of them did their thing. I don't think they'll ever find this, but if they do, you both did your thing. But the one who's been there all three years, that's our incoming senior, all he did, he hit the game winner, and all he did was look him right in the eye and say, that's that work. That's that two years of work you didn't get. And work yeah. doesn't lie, man. That's facts. Nah, nah, it definitely does, man. Yeah, it pays off, man. Yeah. What school I, did you do at? I'm, I, at, I'm at Comstock High School in Kalamazoo okay. area. Yeah. Okay. I think I think one of the best parts about that is it really isn't cliche. Like it it has become cliche over the time. Of people uh, like you always see people joke about touch the line, touch the line. That shit really does matter. Like it yeah, really does. When you look at winning teams and teams that win shit, they do little things like that. And teams that lose do shit like cheat reps and things like that. Yeah, like it, it's, it's 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 for game, real. In the game, it's always been like my love, my passion is I've been within my destiny pretty much my whole life, you know. So it's like when when you're in your destiny, it's like, you know, you hear about the universe, you know, and, and the importance of the little things. And it's like you can really become fully aligned with yourself, with your careers and with others, you know, and with the work. The work is kind of the same way to where it's like, if you cheat, I, I, I can't cheat the work. I can't cheat the reps when I'm in the weight room. Like, even though I'm banged up, like, I can't not go to the gym, you know, because I'm – I, I want to continue my favor, you know. I want to continue my good fortune. You know, I've always been good, big on, like, you know, I want the fortune to be in my favor all, as much as possible, you know. So, not that's not saying that I'm perfect and I make all the right decisions at all the time as a player, as a man, but it's like – if I'm aligned with it, I want the fortune to be in my favor, so I'm not going to cheat it. 100%. 100%. Yeah. 
I feel like I hope a lot of people listen to this because I think a lot of young hoopers could learn a lot of lessons from this conversation. And I have to shout out uh, the folks from Juco Advocate. We interviewed them. Our first interview we ever did on the show earlier this year in the fall. They are doing phenomenal work for Juco athletes all across the world, uh, giving them opportunities, giving them praise, connecting them with coaches in schools. So I know they've been big supporters of us. Hopefully they see this because, um, you know, your story is just another example of someone going the Juco route, working hard to get to that next step and then having massive success after. So shout yeah, out to man. the Juco advocate folks. Yeah. Most, and most of the time, you know, players, um, I don't know percentages, of course, but like I think most players that go to JUCO, they pretty much go directly out of high school, mm-hmm. you know. So to to be a Division One transfer going to a JUCO, you know, that's as you can imagine, that could be even more tougher mentally if you aren't, you know, secure and 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 good with your path, you know, where you're headed, you know. So I'm definitely one. That's one of the most. I'm I'm probably the proudest of being a JUCO you know, ambassador now, you know, to be able to, you know, I love seeing the Juco tweets and, and, and being able to like be able to represent that, you know, be able to stand up and say, yeah, I played Juco too. Like I'm, I'm really proud to say that, you know, I know that's, that's a grind that a lot of people don't get to experience, you know, and, and a grind that a lot of people don't make it through, you know? Yeah. So I'm yeah, definitely proud to, to be a Juco product for sure. Awesome. All right, last question from the people. This is from Vincent Cook. He asks, as a transfer coming into Michigan State, what was the biggest challenge being a transfer in that setting with guys that had been there four years? And then on the flip side, was there anything that you felt was advantageous to you because of the fact that you were a transfer? Um, I would say it was definitely advantageous considering I was experienced at the time. You know, if I – you know, as you've played throughout years of college, obviously you've experienced more and more. You get a little bit more wiser. You understand yourself a little more. So you know how to handle them situations when they get tough, you know. And even to be able to, you know, for the most part, handle the situations that, you know, you you encounter off the court, you know, being able to balance all that, you know. So I feel like I was prepared as a young man, you know, headed into that situation to where mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. I had fun. I had a lot of fun, but I wasn't being reckless. You know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I knew how to, I knew it was important for me to represent the university, you know, first I represent, you know, myself, my family, but I knew that at that level, it was important for me to represent the, the university and all the players that came before, you know, so I would say that was the advantage I had was just being experienced, you know, as a player and as a young man. Um, uh, the first part of the question, what was it? Uh, what was the disadvantage or what was tough? Yep. Uh, man, really, it really wasn't tough at all. You know, maybe just some of them times where, you know, them situ- like the situation we talked before where like kind of my mentality was tr- tested, mm-hmm. you know, where my toughness was tested, where kind of, you know, where we're kind of thrown, it kind of gets thrown in your face sometimes, you know, but it's like, that's kind of part of it. It's part of that accountability. So some of those times were kind of tough, but I would say like, as a whole, you know, being, having just graduated, um, only not having to go to class every day, you know, I didn't have to get up and go to class and, 
you know, go around campus, go to different classes. You know, I, the first semester I was in, I had one class on campus that met like on Monday evenings, but the other two classes I were in were online. And then the second semester, both my classes were online. So it was like, I was pretty much just hooping that whole year, you know? So it was the schedule and the routine was really in my favor to where I could, you know, wake up, get my, go to the gym, get my extra work in, you know, I could sleep in if I want, you know, just go to lunch and then go to practice 3.30, you know? So it was really a, a kind of, as I think about it now, it was kind of like a, a first step of being a professional, you know, it was kind of like I was a pro already that year. So that was kind of, you know, in my favor, um, man, I, I went through some stuff off the court, you know, just in my personal life with my family and some different experiences and situations back at home in Indiana that kind of made it tough, you know, just dealing with just, you know, outside distractions, you know, everything, you know, what, whether you, whether you who, you know, whether you manage a podcast, whether you a CEO of a company, it's like, it all comes down to, you know, managing the distractions, you know, whether it's getting too high, you know, or, or, or not getting too low when you're going through something, you know? So, uh, yeah, just at the same time, it kind of speaks to where I was as a young man, just kind of being able to handle those situations. And, but, you know, I, I went through a lot that year that, you know, is pretty much not known. Uh, but, you know, having people like Izzo and, you know, Coach Fife and Coach Stevens and Coach OG, you know, they they really, man, not only are they great coaches, they're the what they're greatest at is listening. You know, they're great listeners. You know, that's why they've developed into great communicators, you know, and that's kind of been something I've realized, you know, to where I feel like I've become a great communicator because I realized the importance of listening. You know, but that's because I had great listeners in my life, mm -hmm. you know, throughout the years here and there, you know. So, mm -hmm. man, being able to lean on those coaches and, you know, have them, you know, have our back and, you know, kind of just be that strength that we need in those certain times and kind of step up for us in certain times in different ways. That's one of the parts of being there, being a part of any team, because I've had a lot of coaches that have been there for me and you know, been that person to lean on. But, you know, as we talk about the higher the level, you know, the more, you know, the bigger the distraction is, the more attention you have to make and the more intentional you have to be, you know. So to be around that group of leaders, you know, whether it's Draymond, you know, I've been able to lean on him in certain times. And, you know, we've been able to bounce stuff off each other that we were going on at the that were going on in our personal life at the time, you know, to where, you know, you just have each other back. You know, so uh, not really any disadvantages, man. I I was ready. I was prepared. I was, you know, confident. I put in work. I had a good offseason leading up into that. Um, yeah, man, it, it, it couldn't have went, you know, couldn't have went more smooth, you know, being a transfer, having only one year there, uh, winning both Big Ten championships, number one seed. You know, it, it was another dream year, man. All these years is like, have been amazing and dreamlike in their own way. But that was just, you know, as you can imagine, that kind of, that was bigger than basketball. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a part of that network for life to where, you know, now I'm a part of the Arizona Spartans alumni board. I'm on the board out here in Arizona. Hell so it's yeah. like, that's, that's, that's opened up so many opportunity, opportunities for me business-wise, you know, to continue to build my 
my businesses and my brand, you know. So it's yeah, Michigan State has been been life changing, man. Carter, we're gonna have to clip that entire answer, send it to Tom Izzo and staff because they got a couple open scholarships. And that transfer portal is still popping right now. Hey, so we're hear, we're gonna hear, serve that up. Hey, on you flat. heard it here. You ain't even gotta step on campus unless you want to go to Ricks. <laughs> go ahead and go to Ricks. <laughs> I can't believe that's what you take out of that. Of all things, I mean, I'm just saying. I, I'm just happy got Rick, it's not just got Ricks me on his mind. Huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my. Well, all right. Kind of like walking down that staircase. Hey, the, hey, that's ooh, that staircase, the double staircase too, because you have a you, you get to that bottom one and you can think about it and you can go back up. You like, like which no, way? Which way I go? Right or left? Right or left? Your yeah. footsteps are probably still on that staircase. They haven't cleaned that staircase <laughs> once since you left. Nah, <laughs> not once, not once. Uh, but it's all love, Ricks. We love you if you're listening. Brandon, thank you so much, man, for doing this. Just from the, the hour of talking with you, I can tell. I mean, you're such a role model. I have so much respect for everything you've gone through and the grind that you've done, how much you love the game of basketball. It's honestly inspiring to talk to you, man. So appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we'll be rooting for you overseas and in everything you appreciate do in life, that. my friend. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me on, man. And and best, wish, best wishes for y'all moving forward with the podcast, man. And much much respect for what y'all are doing, man. This is it's kind of I'm kind of headed the same direction, you know. So I I understand the importance of you know having this platform and you know being able to share your experience and kind of combine it with others' experience. So you know this is that positivity and that love and you know that you know we're all examples in our different ways, you know. So this is you know this is what society needs, you know. This is what the world needs, you know. So. Yeah, man, I appreciate you guys and, and salute for what y'all are doing. Appreciate that, bro. Absolutely. Bro. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah.